good to see each and every one of you. Good fellowship, good friends. It's good to be a part of the kingdom of God, his church family, where the fellowship is so wonderful. As we begin our new series, The Songs of Christmas, that will take us through this month of December, I want to begin by giving a just a, a thank you to Miss Lena Archer for the vision of decorating the church, keeping everybody together. I mean, she's done it across the entire building, and I know a lot of work and coordination, so thank you very much. It looks great. And I'd like to point out, as we are uh, in the Christmas season, that uh, do you see that tree? What sits atop that tree? Now, I'm going to give you my 60-second spill. Anything can set atop a Christmas tree. I get it. For years, I had angels, and there's nothing wrong with that. Santa Claus, hats. But one year, my wife found this snowman. Looks like it's about two foot tall, made out of metal, and put it up in our tree where we lived in Sharpsburg, Georgia. And the house was just poinsettias and decorated. I'm sitting there drinking my coffee thinking, how blessed can you be? And I looked up the tree, and there was this snowman. And I'm serious. It was just, you know, God works in different ways in different people's lives. He may convict you to put up a snowman atop your tree, but I doubt it. It hit me so hard. What are you doing? Are you centered on a snowman? Christmas, although we commercialized it, Christmas is about Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, the promise of the coming of the child of God that would be the incarnate God in the flesh. And so now I have the biggest, glassiest, lit-up star that they sell. So, take down your angels, Carol Gingrich. Me and Carol go back every year. I'm teasing Carol. Take down your snowmen and put on a star. He will give us a sign. He is the light of the world. And the angels were right there too. So, I mean, you know, angels are good. Just not as good as a star. All right. I appreciate all my Facebook friends taking pictures of their stars up on the Christmas trees. Uh, actually, I did the funeral. I talked about Art Jacobs last week and said that he probably wouldn't be with us much longer. And he passed away that Sunday late afternoon. And I was over visiting with Miss Nadine, his wife, 62 years, and she said, did you see our tree? And I said, I did, but I didn't look at it that good. She goes, it's a star on top. Remember when you talked about that? She said, we came home and we looked at the top of our tree and it had a cardinal at the top. We pulled that cardinal down and put a star on top. It's just hilarious. But here we are, December 2nd. And this really does kick off the Christmas season. And for many, it's a joyous time. 
For others, it can be a sad time. It can be sad for those that in their memory, they think about the people that are no longer with them. Christian or non-Christian, they're just not here and we miss those people and it is feelings of, of melancholy. And then you, you look at kids and it's nothing but pure joy as they think about Christmas and Santa Claus and Christmas presents. Jonathan, my son-in-law, sent me a picture of my three grandsons standing in the window looking out intently. And I thought, well, he must have took that picture when we went down there and they knew we were pulling in because they were there to see us. And I said, what, what, what was they doing? Oh, the UPS truck was pulling in and they knew that meant presents. And so... And so what we want to do in this series, The Songs of Christmas, is look at five songs. Not songs like, Oh Christmas Tree, Oh Christmas Tree. Not songs like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman. But songs that are a part of the church history that are songs that really do come out of the biblical text. And today we're going to look at a really powerful song that has been used off and on different ways for eight, nine hundred years, but more, more so in the last hundred and sixty years. We're going to look at the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And so, as you can see, it was originally written in Latin in the 12th century. So, eight, nine hundred years ago, this song, the music, the lyrics begin to be developed. Who wrote it? Who composed it? The music, we have absolutely no idea. But around 1861... An Angelican a priest translated from Latin into English. His name is John Neal in 1851. This song has seven verses. And they say the seven verses were used seven days before Christmas to build on the thought of the coming of the Messiah. But that's really all we know about it. And there is speculation and even differing of opinion when this song really did come about. But somewhere, 11th, 12th century, music, and then a hundred or so years later, words were put to the music. And this is the song that we enjoy so much today. However, if you look online, you'll find that this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is usually four stanzas or verses and not always the same stanzas or verses because there's seven total stanzas or verses but it's just a beautiful song that comes out of scripture inspired by scripture and so as much as we love christmas one of the things that we have to do as christians and especially as christian parents is make sure that while we celebrate Santa Claus and reindeer and the gifts, that we make no mistake 
to let our children know the true meaning of Christmas is about the gift of the Savior to our world that we live in. That is the reason for the season, as the coffee mug says, right? Jesus is the reason for everything, absolutely everything. And so here is the first stanza of that song. And I've just picked out three stanzas that I want to talk about a little bit. And after we're done, we're going to sing this song. But what you notice right off, especially if you hear music as we sing it, there is a longing, there is a mournful tone to the song followed by the chorus, Rejoice, Rejoice. And so uh, the, the composer, as these words were written, taken from a text that we'll look at in just a second, there is the longing, the mourning, the contemplative reality that God's people, Israel, have spent most of their existence in exile and captivity because of their lack of faithfulness to God. God has disciplined. God has punished. He has caused other nations to come and conquer and take them off into exile and be in captivity. He did it with the Egyptians for 400 plus years in captivity, almost five generations of people. That is discipline. That is a heavy hand of God trying to get the attention of his people. They're in captive. And there is this quality that while they're in exile, in many ways from their God, feeling like God has abandoned them to the fall of Assyria, to the fall of Babylonians, to the fall of Egyptians, whatever it might be. Where is God? We are exiled. We are mourning in our captivity. And that mourning that is in many ways lonely will take place until the Son of God appears. And as we sang this song, and as Matt talked about these words. Emmanuel is a word that means God with us. And then that God with us, Emmanuel, is described here in the fourth line, until the Son of God appears. And when the Son of God does appear, what will Israel and the people of God do? They will rejoice, they will celebrate, they will praise God. Why? Because their captivity is over. In our own lives, we know what it means to be in captivity to sin. Do you remember Paul's words in Romans chapter 7? Again and again, he talks about sin and gives it human qualities and says, Sin seized me. 
and sin took me places that I didn't want to go. He gives us the sense that sin is by far stronger than any of us. And sin hurts God's people. Sin separates God's people from their God. And we all know what it's like to be held hostage or captivity to sin. Last week we talked about we've all sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And there are some sins in our lives that have really hurt individuals. Hurt them physically, hurt them emotionally, hurt them mentally. And you're probably sitting here and think of, here's a sin that I struggled with that I've hurt someone with. A child, a spouse apparent. And so as this verse is sung, O come, O come, the longing of the heart of this composer looking at a text in Scripture says, gosh, we need God. We, we want God. We want Him to be with us. And now, in many ways, He's not because our sin has separated us from our God. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom, purchase, buy back Israel. We know what this word ransom means, to to redeem, to buy back, to purchase. It is full of this idea in the New Testament that Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for our sin, to redeem and buy us back, to set us free. Now we know that in many ways, although Christ has done His work in our lives, given us of His Holy Spirit to sanctify us and set us apart, that the physical nature that our spirit is enhoused in, the physical nature still struggles. We say things that we shouldn't with wrong attitudes. We think things that we shouldn't. We act in ways that we know's wrong before we do it, yet we still do it. And we back up and we say, Lord, forgive me. I repent of that sin I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. Lord, I know how this hurts you. And then what do we do the next day? The same thing. So this being ransomed doesn't mean that you've been so changed by the Spirit of God coming to live in you that you don't fail and sin against God from time to time. It does mean, in a sense, that because you're His and He lives in you, that you will sin less because you're going to be more sensitive. But when you do sin, you're going to know what He's done for you. And you're going to love Him for it. And you're going to repent faster. Get on your knees and lift your hands in prayer more often. And just be so thankful that you have been redeemed redeemed. 
by Emmanuel. That God is with his people. And God is with you. Isn't the Holy Spirit living in you? God with you. The Holy Spirit living in us. God with us. It is absolutely amazing and remarkable. I've sung this song, and oh, it's, it's, it's pretty, and it's haunting. And, but when you really look at the words, it can be the cry of your own heart. Oh, God, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. Help me, Lord. I'm sorry, Father. Forgive me. Bless me. Guide me. Show me. So I hope today as we sing whatever verses Matthew has for us, that, that we, we sing it so heartfelt and we key in on every word. This verse of the song comes out of the inspiration of Isaiah seven fourteen most scholars believe, that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Also, we see it recorded in a little different way in Matthew chapter 1, 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And he describes, this is what that means, God with us. And so this prophecy by Isaiah in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is the promise of the coming of the Savior into the world. You know, every year Christmas rolls around. And it's a lot like Easter when you're celebrating the resurrection. It's like, you know, if you've preached 30 plus years, how are we going to do this different? You know, maybe we'll change the title, and, or maybe we'll look at this text, or we'll go over here and go. Really, you, you can't change the Christmas message. It is beautiful in and of itself. And this year, we're just celebrating the beauty of the prophetic scripture and the reality of it in our lives. God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. The child has been born and uh, placed in the manger in Bethlehem. And so we rejoice are you rejoicing in the coming of Emmanuel? Are you rejoicing that God lives in you if you're His? That His Spirit lives in you? And I say the people of God absolutely rejoice. And so we come to the next part of a verse that's very well known in the song today. O come thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Dayspring is a word that means uh, dawning, 
the dawn or, or the sunrise. And you look at, at this and it says simply, let something rise up out of the darkness. And that is the coming of what we know is Christ and all the clouds and all the darkness and all the gloom and all the depression and all the struggle in this life. And then he says, and death's dark shadow put to flight. In other words, the day will dawn when the Son of God appears. A light will shine. And although we live in this world, and although physically there will be struggles and heartaches and death, we know that death no longer has the victory. Life has won because life is in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in the Gospel of John, because I live, therefore you will live. And he even tells Mary and Martha later in the Gospel of John, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet will he live. And you see Old Testament, New Testament, the composition of these words, how true they are for us, that Jesus Christ, brings us the hope. He brings us the joy. He gives us the song. He fills us with happiness even in the struggle of the physical realm that we live in. That's not our focus. Our focus is on what is to come because of the gift that God has given. I know Nadine hangs on to that truth. I know Laura Anderson at the passing of her dear uncle that she loved, who was like a father to her. She hangs on to that truth, but that's a reality for all of us. My sister called a week ago, about a week. Her husband of almost 40 years had been struggling with some health issues. His, his blood levels, not creating red blood and white blood cells like he should. He's, he's below, and they've thought we're going to have to do a bone marrow biopsy. And so now they've got that scheduled, and she's trying not to focus on the physical and trying to focus on the reality of God is good, but life is hard. And, but yet every day I try to call her and encourage her a little bit. She's not answering the phone today. I'll shoot her next. Okay, she finally responds. She goes to that dark place and then comes out of it like, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to borrow trouble. But, you know, that back and that forth that we all feel at different points. We all feel that way. That's the flesh. We've talked about John Barron's, right? Going through what he's going through with colon cancer. I talked to him again this morning and... He said, I can share some good word with you. He said, God is God and we will see ultimately. But he went through the radiation, couldn't withstand the chemotherapy, so radiation only, had surgery, 
after the surgery, and, and this was very traumatic to his system, had an ileostomy installed, and Friday they revert that ileostomy, and all the doctors from the different groups are talking. And the one doctor says, unless some cancer got to your lymph nodes that we don't know about, right now you are cancer-free. Now, he wasn't expecting that at all. Right now, you are cancer-free if it didn't get to your lymph nodes. There's always a catch, right? But John is like, the Lord is good. And he's in that right place, but he, like the rest of us, we struggle with the physical and the spiritual, just like my sister, just like my brother-in-law. Worry, you know, what's going... We're all going to die. We're not meant to be here forever. None of us think it's going to happen to us. We, we sort of like it could, but it's not going to probably happen. And that is some of the greatest blessings that come out of this song that remind us as this life takes its natural course and we lose the people we love or ourselves are lost and separated from the people that we love. God has done something in the person of Jesus Christ that is so wonderful and our spirits sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, day spring, because we know there is a dawning just like Christ resurrected out of the grave after hanging on the cross and being in that tomb for three days. He resurrected. He came out of the tomb and He is alive and therefore His children will live because He lives. And we rejoice in that, right? We celebrate that. Oh, what a reunion. Standing out there at Blaine Cemetery, bearing art, the snow was falling. And you know, I've done that a lot in my life over 30 years. And I know I don't remember every funeral or memorial service that I've done. Some seem to stick out, and if someone says, you remember doing this? Yes. But how many have I done? I don't remember them all, but I know that when I go to heaven, I'll see all those people. And I'll remember those people. And we'll be God's family. This song is a powerful song that says, Jesus Christ will wipe away every tear, There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more disease. And you and I know what the old song means when it says, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burden to bear. Amen. So just one last reading. Oh, come out, day spring. Come and cheer, because we're discouraged. Our spirits by thine advent or arrival here disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight rejoice rejoice emmanuel shall come to thee O israel but he also has come to us his people malachi 4 is the inspiration for that but for you who revere my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. When I 
looked at that and was reminded by this passage of Scripture, like well-fed calves, you will go out and frolic. I don't know if you have to be raised on a farm to, to be able to picture this, but calves are like happy, playful. They just jump and kick and spin. And that's the picture of our spirits and our lives because of what God has done to dispel. We know what it's like to have those moments where we feel like, could it get any better? Could it be more joyous when you watch and someone is baptized? What's the natural response of the congregation? To cheer, to clap, to stand up, because we know what's happening, because we've been there, most of us. We are celebrating one coming to Christ in obedience to be buried with the Lord through baptism. And we celebrate. But the person that's in that water being buried or completely submerged under, they come up and they have tears in their eyes. Or, you know, victory. It's like you feel like so close to God, so joyous. That is this verse. And also Luke 1 says, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And we know that in so many ways, spiritually, God has done that. The last stanza that I want to share with you, O come, desire of nations, bond in one the hearts of all mankind, Oh, bid our sad division cease and be yourself our king of peace. Is a stanza of scripture that says Jesus Christ will bring peace to his people. Peace in their hearts initially and ultimately peace totally in their lives in the heavenly realm. Absolute peace. You guys, there's not absolute peace in this world. This world is so divided, so chaotic, full of vicious murder, full of scandal, full of betrayal. At a worldwide level, Sometimes there's not even peace in our homes between husbands and wives or peace between God's people or peace between our children. It just goes on and on, a lack of peace. So what this text is is telling us that the desire of the nations is that we would have one heart and that our hearts would be bound from division to absolute peace. But Christ, the day spring, Christ Emmanuel, He is the desire of God's people because in Him and only in Him, peace is found. When you become a Christian, there is a peace that surpasses understanding that Paul talks about. A peace that surpasses understanding even in the darkest of times. 
Now, I keep referring to Nadine Jacobs because it's just so close and it's relevant. So after Art passed, I went to visit her. Now, Nadine's 82 years old. She said, I, I can't believe how well I did last night. She said, don't get me wrong, I had my moments. You can't be with someone 62 years and all of a sudden they're just, they're not there. And we understand that because if you've been married to someone you love for two or three years and all of a sudden they're just not there, that's such an odd thing. And her, 62 years, he was there, he's not there. So I slept with, I turned lights on throughout the house. A little scared. A little lonely. My son called and said, do you want us to come and and stay with you? She says, no. I know I've got to do this sometime. With God's help, I can do it. But there is this sweet, Christian, elderly woman drawing on the truths of Scripture and telling me, Patrick, a peace has come over me. I feel God's arms around me. She kept describing it like, I feel secure. I feel safe. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The more a Christian grows and matures, a a song like this, if really thought about, brings so much comfort because we just know it's so true because it's birthed out of the inspiration of Scripture. And so again, the chorus, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel, God is with us. He'll come to Israel and he's come to his people. Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, all these titles, and Prince of Peace. Comes out of Haggai 2 as well. I will shake all nations, says the Lord, and what is desired by all nations will come, And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord God Almighty. So this morning, let us take this song to heart. Let us even think about it through the week. Go home and Google it and read all seven stanzas. It's just a fascinating, insightful song. And as Matthew and our worship team lead us in this song, let us sing it out with all the heart we have as we are convicted by the good thing the Lord has done for each and every one of us. Would you stand with me? I'm going to have a prayer and then let you know that our prayer teams will be up here to pray with you no matter what you're facing or going through. Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost for Scripture, powerful Scripture that reminds us of your promise, your prophecy to send 
the Christ child into this world. And on this side of the cross, Lord, we as your church rejoice in what you have done by bringing that light and setting us free. We thank you, Lord, for being a God that's so involved in this world and in our lives. And this Christmas season, Father, our goal as a church family is to give you all the glory. We may not have the gifts to give. We may not get the gifts to receive. But we've got the greatest gift of all, and that is your Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living in us, and your hand of favor and approval upon us. And since we have that, everything else that is unwrapped out of the box has very little meaning. Thank you for this church family. Bless us. Draw us together. Fill us with greater peace. Let us praise your name until you call us home or you return with your son Jesus and his holy army in the clouds. In Jesus' name we pray. Together we say, Amen.